Good morning, church family. Good morning. Is it okay if I have a little bit of fun as we get started this morning? You might find me to be a little goofy once in a while. So just humor me, okay? Hey, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of God Man. If you were uh, tuned in last week on God Man, we saw John the Baptizer prepare the way for the arrival of the promised rescuer, the God-man Jesus himself. Uh, on last week's episode, we also saw God's good purposes for our lives often include periods in the wilderness of pain and suffering and temptation and trial. But we are reminded that our God is the God of all comfort, and he is with us. Amen. So, if you're tuning in this week, we're continuing on in the story of Jesus, the God-man. And uh, each week, we want to be reminded that followers of Jesus do what? Follow Jesus. Jesus. I mean, it's good stuff. We want to be reminded that followers of Jesus follow, follow Jesus. So, I'm Derek, and I'm one of the pastors here, and we love to study our Bibles at Faith Free, so grab your Bible if you would, if you have one with you, and open to Mark chapter 1, verse 14. We're going to start in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Uh, this book is in the back part of your Bible. The last third of your Bible or so is called the New Testament. And there at the beginning of the New Testament, you'll find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four stories, four books that all talk about the life and ministry of the God-man Jesus. So we're in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. And as you get there, let's pray. Father God, we need to hear from you this morning. I pray that uh, as we open your word, that you would speak to our hearts and minds and that you would prepare us to hear from you. Uh, and Father, as the, in the words of the psalmist, I pray uh, that may, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord my rock and my redeemer. Speak to us, we pray, by your word, through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Mark chapter 1, verse 14. We'll read a verse or two and we'll talk and we'll continue on, so keep your Bibles open. Mark 1, verse 14. Now, after John the baptizer was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming, the gospel of God. So we'll stop there just for a moment. When we look at it in the, uh, the book of Matthew in your Bible, when Matthew talks about the arrival of Jesus and the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, he adds a quote from the prophet Isaiah saying this, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. How's that to describe the arrival of Jesus on the scene? The people living in darkness have seen a great light and still so needed for us this morning, right? Why is he the light? Why is his arrival such a big deal? Well, we've, we've talked about this, that Jesus is God in the flesh, the God-man, the promised, the coming promised rescuer that had been longed for. And then now he's arrived and it says in there in verse 14 that he's proclaiming the gospel of God. Think for a second. Imagine Jesus as a communicator, as a preacher. 
Imagine what kind of communicator or preacher Jesus must have been. I mean, an amazing personality. The depth of his compassion, his knowledge, and, and certainly his connectedness with God, he was indeed God himself. You guys have to listen to goofy, messed up, work-in-progress preacher me most Sundays. And here, in our passage, John the baptizer announcing the arrival of Jesus the God-man himself, preaching a message. So what's he going to say? What message is he proclaiming? Not only is Jesus the best communicator the world has ever seen, but what's his message that he's bringing? It says in verse 14, it's the gospel. The word gospel, we talked about this last week, literally means good news. And I'm going to go as far as to say that might be a little bit of an understatement because the gospel that Jesus comes to proclaim is the greatest message ever delivered anywhere. So the best communicator the world has ever seen arrives with the most incredible message the world has ever seen. And followers of Jesus, we do what? Follow Jesus. Followers of Jesus, follow Jesus. And so since Jesus came proclaiming the gospel, then we as his followers need to learn how to proclaim the gospel. Followers of Jesus proclaim the good news, as Jesus did. Now, what if I ask you to turn to someone next to you right now and describe or explain to them the basics of the gospel message? Did anybody get a little, a little anxious in their heart? Anybody get a little nervous? Anybody be a little uncertain whether you could clearly communicate the gospel message? Well, if you did, you were not alone. You're not alone. But I believe that it is crucial that we as followers of Jesus, this is crucial, as followers of Jesus, we've got to understand the basics of the good news. We've got to be able to articulate the basics of the good news. And, I'm gonna, and I want to say this phrase. I stole this from somewhere. We want to be able to know and be able to articulate the basics of the gospel such that we can weave bits and pieces of the good news into everyday conversations with everyday people. Are you with me? This isn't you know, we need, to, we need to ask God for help in this area of how to weave in aspects of the gospel message. So first, we need to understand what the good news is. Because sometimes I think we feel pressure in our lives. We know as a follower of Jesus, I'm supposed to help other people follow Jesus. I need to be able to share the good news. But I think that sometimes we put pressure on ourselves in a conversation with someone we know and love and want them to know about Jesus. We put pressure on ourselves to tell them the whole God story the whole, the whole story of the Bible in the one sitting. You know, or we think, well, what if I miss a piece? Or what if I don't tell them everything I need to tell them? Or sometimes we feel the pressure to tell them our own whole story. My own whole story of my life and how God got a hold of me and how I became a follower of Jesus. And we feel like we got to get that out. Well, what if we don't? What if we just need to know the bits and pieces and the aspects of the gospel that are critical? And what if God can help us just weave them into conversation in natural everyday ways. Wouldn't that be nice? 
what starts with knowing what the good news is. And I'm going to walk through a tool that I took from a, uh, a ministry called Nine Marks. And Nine Marks is, does some excellent work. And they have this little uh, cheat sheet, little tool to remember some of the key points of the good news of Jesus. And it's this, God, man, Christ, response. Say that with me once. God, man, Christ, response. And so remembering those four words will give you little triggers in your brain to communicate these key pieces of the good news of Jesus Christ. So we start with God. God, heavenly Father, mighty and powerful God on high, creator of all things, creator of the heavens and the earth, creator of you and me, God, holy and perfect and on high, created you and I to be in relationship with him, to know him. We have a great God who loves and created us to know him. And he is worthy of worship. But because he is holy and perfect, he must be against sin, against rebellion against him. He must, there is consequences for sin. So that's God. God, man. Man is our little trigger to remember, okay, humans, what's up with us humans? All people though created by God, though created good, all have become sinful in rebellion against God by both our nature, the way we are born, and by our choices, we have rebelled against God. And this has caused a break in the relationship that God so desires. God created us, to, loves us, wants to be in relationship with us. But this sin is getting in the way and it causes a break in our relationship with him from birth all people are alienated from, hostile toward God, and therefore subject to his wrath and judgment against sin. So say those four with me again so we can start memorizing them. God, man, Christ, response. So we're on Christ. So we've kind of covered the bad news that comes before the good news. It's not good news unless there was bad news, right? Right? And the bad news is, is that while God loves us and created us to be in relationship with him, that relationship has been broken by sin. But our God doesn't leave it that way. God doesn't leave us stuck apart from him. God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son that we might find life in him, Right? God, man, Christ response. The Christ part is that God's love drove him to create a rescue plan where he sent his son, the God-man Jesus, to live the life that you and I cannot live, to live without sin. The life that you and I are incapable of, Jesus came, fully God, fully man, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to bear the burden, the penalty, the consequences that you and I deserve. He lived the life we can't. He died the death we should have so that we could be made right with God, have sins forgiven, be back in relationship with God and find life now and eternal. Is that good news? 
It starts with bad news, and God loves, and he sends Jesus, and there's good news. Ready? God, man, Christ, response. Response part is to trigger in our mind as we share the good news with others, and as we understand the good news ourselves, for that matter, that there's, an ask, there's a required response. God calls everyone, everywhere, to respond to that good news that we just heard. And so this is important. If, if a response is needed, then, it, then we need to remember that it's not good enough just to have heard the good news once. It's not good enough to have read the good news in our Bible. It's not good enough to think, hmm, that sounds pretty cool. The Bible calls for a response. And so we're going to talk more about what the Bible teaches that response is in a minute. But that gives me an opportunity to ask you a question. Have you responded to the good news that Jesus proclaims? Let me, not, let me be clear what I'm asking. I'm asking you if you've responded to the good news that Jesus proclaims. I'm not asking you if you can speak Christian. Because, you know, if you, if you, if you uh, were to be around other Christians and you were just thinking, hey, I want to hang out sometime because I need some fellowship. Sound like a Christian. If you know a few key words, right? Hey, I'm, are you born again? Um... If you just start referring to Jesus as Lord, if you call uh, somebody near you the brother and sister in Christ, I'm not asking if you can speak Christianese. I'm not asking if you share the values and morals of Christians. I'm not asking if you think you're a good person and deserve eternal life. I'm not asking if your parents were followers of Jesus. I'm asking if you have responded to the good news of Jesus. I'm not asking if you attend church. I'm not asking if you read your Bible. I'm not asking if you put a little bit of money in the offering tray once in a while. I'm asking if you have responded to the good news. Is it possible? Is it possible that some could sit comfortably part of a local church, even one like Faith Free, for many years, having falsely considered themselves to be Christian because of one of those previous reasons I just mentioned? It's a little sad and it's a little scary, but I think it's possible. So the question is, is have you responded to the gospel? And if not, then let's look into God's word together and see what the Bible teaches about our response. So back in your Bibles with me, now we're at verse 15. Don't worry, I'm going to go faster. You're thinking, oh my word, he only got through one verse. (laughs) Verse 15. Jesus arrived and began to proclaim the gospel of God. Now verse 15, and he said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. What is he saying is, is here, the kingdom. The kingdom reminds us that, the, that our great God is God over all. He rules and reigns over all. And so when Jesus says the kingdom is at hand, he is saying the divine kingly authority of all, that his reign over our hearts and lives, that his rule and reign is upon us, that 
It is now that the kingdom of God, his rule and reign is now being established. But not only will Jesus rule and reign in the hearts of those that love him and follow him, the reign of our God, the rule and reign, the kingdom of God will eventually include him physically returning and reigning here. And his, the rule, the kingdom of God will eventually include his rule and reign over all creation, restoring things back to the way God intended them in the first place. Won't that be great? When the kingdom, the kingdom of God is upon us, it's established, it's being established, it has started in the ministry of Jesus. And in the future, when Jesus returns, he will set everything right. All that is broken will be fixed. All that hurts, we will be able to trust him with. Verse 15 continues. So Jesus said, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, and then he gives us this response. So repent and believe in the gospel. That's the, that's the Bible teaching us to respond. The last part of verse 15. Jesus begins his public ministry with the word, repent. And you and I, you and I, like, we like the word believe. Okay, I'll believe in Jesus. We like, we like, uh, we, we, we think, well, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm spiritual. I, I like things spiritual. I want to be friends with God. So we like that kind of language. We like, you know, believe. But we're not so sure about repent, if we're honest. If some of us don't even know what it is, that's okay. We're going to talk about that. But we like, but, but followers of Jesus follow Jesus, and, and Jesus just proclaimed that we need to repent and believe. So followers of Jesus repent and believe because responding to the gospel in genuine faith includes both repentance and faith. Last week we defined repentance. Uh, You'll see it on the screen here. Last week we defined repentance as to turn back, to turn away from or toward. And there's this sense here of changing one's mind, of, of going in a different direction, I want to start to live. I'm going to, I'm going to repent. I want to start to live and think differently than I was. I was headed here, and now I want to turn, and I want to repent, and I want to think and live differently. This is the idea of repentance. Listen to uh, and follow along on the screen here. This is a quote from pastor and author and scholar named Eugene Peterson describing repentance. The first step toward God is a step away from the lies of the world. It is a renunciation of the lies we have been told about ourselves and about our neighbors and about our universe. Repenting is deciding that you have been told a pack of lies about yourself and your neighbor and your world. And it is deciding that God in Jesus Christ is telling you the truth. Repentance is realization that God wants, uh, sorry, repentance is a realization that what God wants from you and what you want from God are not going to be achieved by doing the same old things, thinking the same old thoughts. We need to repent. We need to turn away from our old lives and turn toward God. So, Friends, if you ask God right now, 
If you ask God today to help you examine your life, your heart, your heart and your mind and your desires and your attitudes and what you see in yourself and the way you think and the things you say and the what you do, if you ask God this morning to examine your life, does it become apparent that you can't match up on your own? As you examine your life, if you ask God to help you take inventory of heart, mind, desires, attitudes, do you recognize that you need help? That a change is in order? I do. I do. And the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Romans, and I relate to him so much, I am all too aware of the wretched man that I am. Followers of Jesus repent and believe. So we've talked about repentance. So we turn away from, from one direction and turn toward God. And then believing, when we talk about, in the Bible talks about faith, well, the idea here is that we put our trust in Jesus. We repent and we turn toward God by entrusting ourselves to Jesus, by realizing we can't do it on our own, by realizing that we don't meet God's standards, by realizing that apart from him, I'm a complete disaster. And so I entrust myself to Jesus, the one who is perfect, the one who is on high, the one who can connect me to God. In the passage, Jesus says the kingdom is at hand. The rule and reign of God is being established. So I'm going to say, then now's the time to respond to our great God. Now then is the time, if you haven't already in particular, I'm urging you, the kingdom is upon us. Now is the time. Repent and believe. Now is the time to respond and receive the gift of salvation that comes in Christ and that comes with new life now and forever. Followers of Jesus, repent and believe. The first time that we hear the message of God, that we embrace the gospel message, that we realize that we need Jesus, the first time that you repent and believe, let me just be clear, you are saved and Jesus will never let you go. When we repent and believe, we find new life in Jesus. But I urge you, as followers of Jesus, I think we must continue to repent and believe. Because we're not made perfect instantly, because we continue to fall short, because we need his help so much that every day in my life, every day in your lives, let's repent and believe, turn away from and turn to Jesus. With me so far? How are we doing out there? All right. So now, having responded to the good news, what's next? We've talked about the content of the good news. We've talked about what the good news is. Say those four things with me as we start to memorize them. God, man, Christ, response. So we've talked about the content of the good news, that we're messed up and that Jesus comes to rescue and now we want to know, 
as the gospel takes hold of our hearts, as we know what he has done for us, as we entrust ourselves to him, what are the effects of the gospel in our lives? What will, will, what will the impact be of following Jesus? How will that look in our lives? Let's get back into the scripture passage for this morning. Now we're at verse 16. I'm still only doing one verse at a time. You're still scared. Verse 16. Oh, I got plenty of time. Look, I got a giant clock I can look at. Verse 16. So Jesus, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea. Why were they doing that? Because they were fishermen. Verse 17. And Jesus said to them, using language they could understand, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. The greatest teacher the world has ever seen arrives on the scene with the greatest message, the most incredible news one could ever hear. And now he says simply to these men, follow me. And now look at verse 18, this radical response of obedience. Verse 18 says, they immediately did what? Left their nets and because followers of Jesus follow Jesus. Verse 19, and going on a little farther, Jesus saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending their nets because they were fishermen. And immediately he called to them and they did what? They left their father Zebedee in the boat with his hired servants, and they followed him. When Jesus comes, when Jesus calls, when Jesus invites, and by the way, he doesn't just invite fishermen. I'm not a fisherman. I'm glad he invites other people. When Jesus comes, when Jesus invites, we just read the appropriate response. Obedience, because followers of Jesus follow Jesus. These, men, these four men that we just read about just, just, uh, just uh, demonstrated for us total commitment, being all in on following Jesus. Jesus deserves our unqualified allegiance. He, is, he should be the, have ultimate supremacy in our lives. And he must be central. So since followers of Jesus follow Jesus, I asked this a minute ago, what will be the result in our lives then? If followers of Jesus follow Jesus, what will our lives look like? What will change? How will following Jesus change the way I live? Because I've got news for you, and most of you already know this, that if you follow Jesus, stuff just doesn't stay the same. We don't choose to follow Jesus and then let, every, let, let all of our rest of our lives stay the same. All of our words and our actions and the kind of things we do and the kind of things we're involved in, those things change. So if followers of Jesus change, followers of Jesus follow Jesus, then how does he want us to change? How is he working in our lives? Look again at verse 17. Jesus' words are so simple and yet so important for us to consider this morning. Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. First of all, I love that that says, 
will. I will make you become fishers of men. This is not something that's optional in the Christian life. This is a will-happen result of spiritual growth. The longer you follow Jesus, the more you will be like Jesus. The more he empowers you and, 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 and dwells you by his Holy Spirit and gives you a new heart, new mind, and new desires, you'll be made new. I'm being changed from the inside out. I am not what I once was. I'm not perfect, but I'm on the way to being more like Jesus. Because Jesus is at work in you. It says he will make you into fishers of men. And when he says fishers of men, he's giving these men a picture of what their lives will result in, what their impact will be when they follow Jesus, when they follow Jesus and do what Jesus does and do what Jesus wants, they will become fishers of men. In other words, they will be followers of Jesus who help other people follow Jesus, who in turn help other people to follow Jesus, who are training more people to follow Jesus. Are you with me? It's so simple. And yet I want it to happen. I want to I give myself entirely to what Jesus is calling me to do so that we will become disciples who make disciples who make disciples because followers of Jesus lead people to Jesus. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So if you're a follower of Jesus, followers of Jesus lead people to Jesus. So as you're leading people to Jesus, what are a couple things we should keep in mind? Well, it's about relationship with Jesus. Jesus' invitation, what was it? Follow me. So the invitation from Jesus is about being in relationship with Jesus, by having a friend in Jesus, by being connected to our great and mighty God through Jesus. And so followers of Jesus lead people to Jesus and if we're going to lead people to Jesus, if we're going to let, want them to simply make friends with Jesus, then we've got to be careful not to add other stuff that people have got to do. Followers of Jesus follow Jesus. Followers of Jesus lead other people to know our great God through our loving, rescuing Savior Jesus. And yet sometimes we accidentally add other hoops people to jump through. Sometimes we accidentally put other obstacles in their way that make them totally uninterested in Jesus and have no interest in coming to join you here at Faith Free Church. Because we didn't invite them to follow Jesus, we invited them into being like us, sort of doing it our way. we got to be careful about this, friends. I don't want to give people the feeling that they don't belong before they ever even get to meet Jesus. We can't exclude people based on our own criteria, based on what we think a Christian looks like, based on what we think a Christian acts like. Followers of Jesus follow Jesus, and Jesus wants to use you to lead other people to him. Just to him. Instead of being known Instead of being known for what we're against, wouldn't it be great if we as individuals and collectively as a church family were known for who we are for? Instead of being known for what we're against, let's be known 
for who we are for. Rather than pointing out, rather than pointing out people we think are wrong, let's point people to the one who is so right, the God-man Jesus. Instead of giving people excuses by putting obstacles in their path, by making them jump through hoops to come and be more like us or to be part of our church family or to, by adding stuff to what they need to know to follow Jesus, instead of giving people excuses to dislike Jesus, let's pray and ask God to make us more like Jesus so that people see that. Because followers of Jesus do what? Followers of Jesus follow Jesus, and followers of Jesus lead other people to Jesus. So instead of hoping, instead of saying, hey, that was a great message. I had a good time in church this morning. I probably should help other people follow Jesus. Instead of hoping that other people will come here to this room so that I can explain the gospel message to them, let me remind you, that each of you that's a follower of Jesus is a Holy Spirit-empowered minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And instead of hoping that people will come here and hear the good news from me, what I want to remind you is that God wants you to go to people and share the good news with them. In natural ways, in everyday situations, and you're not on your own, God is with you. You're walking with Jesus. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit. He can bring to mind God, man, Christ, response. He can help you instead of hoping that people will come here and find Jesus here. Let's all be followers of Jesus who live our lives on mission, joining God in his mission to the world, going to them, helping them follow Jesus so they can experience new life with him. Father God, we need you so much. Heavenly Father, thank you for the reminder this morning of your great love for us, that you did not stay far from us, that you did not leave us stuck in sin and rebellion against you, that you did not leave that relationship broken but you sought after us. Father, we praise you that you are a pursuing God whose great love for us comes after us, sends Jesus to the world to rescue, sends us to the world to proclaim your goodness. God, we thank you that you are a God who loves and pursues and rescues and offers salvation, offers new life now and eternal through your son, Jesus. Father God, help us to follow you. Help us lead others to you. Not because of our great skill or winsomeness or our own strength, but Father, help us to lead others to you because of what you're doing in our lives and because we've entrusted ourselves to you and because we're leaning on you for what to do and how to say it. God, we know your spirit is at work within followers of Jesus. So work through us. Would, your, would we be conduits of your love? Would your love continue to pour into our lives and overflow such that our words and our actions point to you?
And Father God, as, as our ushers come in a couple of moments to receive our financial gifts this morning, God, we pray uh, and we thank you that all we have is from you. And so God, as we give back cheerfully and generously to you and to your mission and to the purposes of this local church to help people follow Jesus here in Dallas and, and to the ends of the earth. God, we pray as, you, as we give these gifts that you would continue to use them for your glory and your purposes. God, help us to be followers of Jesus that follow Jesus and point others to Jesus. Help us to give our lives to you and asking you to use us as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. I am thankful for Pastor Ted's leadership, not only in leading us in, in a team, leading us to Jesus in, in worship through music, but in showing us response to the gospel. Not just once, way back when, but continuing to respond to the gospel because the gospel should catch us. It does catch us. There was bad news, and now there's great news in Jesus. And the gospel catches us, whether it catches you in the heart or whether it clicks in the logic for the first time and you realize your need and you realize that you need Jesus, the gospel catches us. So friends, if you're, if you're wanting to follow Jesus for the first time, if you're not sure you have God's help in your life for the mess that you're in, I would love to talk with you about that. Anybody on the stage, a Christian near you, would love to tell you more about becoming a follower of Jesus. And those of you that have been walking with Jesus for some time, let's be followers of Jesus that follow Jesus and that are caught by the gospel today so that we can help others to be caught by the gospel. Amen? Amen. Amen. Followers of Jesus, follow Jesus. So enjoy each other's company first, then run out of here and go follow Jesus. Okay? <laughs> Have a great day. We'll see you next Sunday. <laughs>